Thank you for listening to Embassy City Church's audio podcast. We pray God speaks to you through this message and His Word today. For more information on our church, please visit us at embassycity.com. This weekend, uh, we're going to be dealing with um, a subject that is um, very, very serious in its gravity, but, 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 but something that I feel like God uh, can speak to, and it's depression and suicide. About a week and a half ago, um, within 72 hours, uh, Kate Spade and Anthony Bourdain took their lives. And I don't look to uh, what happens in culture as inspiration for sermons, uh, but there was something about their deaths that broke my heart. Uh, And the reason why it broke my heart is because I began to process um, some things in my mind. And here was one of them. It would be different if uh, it was only people in the world that dealt with depression and suicide. Because of a lack of faith in Jesus Christ, they wind up with this dark cloud over their heads, their hearts, their minds. To the point sometimes that it seems that taking their life seems like the better option than living their life. If that was something that only the world was struggling with, maybe I'd feel different about it. But the fact is that people that have come into a relationship with Jesus Christ can still struggle with depression and suicidal tendencies. Here's what I want to tell you before I even get started with the message. You are not alone. One in every three people Statistics say now, struggle with depression. One of the things I'm very grateful for is that in the word of God, uh, which happens to be the most transparent book that's ever been written, he doesn't hide any of the weaknesses and frailties of the people that he decided to use for his glory. So I want to read you some scripture It's in 1 Kings chapter number 19, Um, probably the greatest prophet uh, outside of Moses in the Old Testament is Elijah. I'm going to read the 18 verses so you can kind of get a context to what's going on in his life. Now, let me just remind you that uh, chapter 19 is picking up after uh, some great stuff has happened in chapter 17 and 18 in chapter number 17. Uh, Elijah has been miraculously fed by birds and sustained by a brook. When that brook dries up, he is led down to Zarephath, which is the hometown of Jezebel. When he gets down into Zarephath, he is miraculously sustained by a widow who is making bread uh, uh, twice a day for the rest of a famine. Her son dies. Elijah prays and he's resurrected. That's all in chapter 17. You move to chapter number 18. He has a contest with the prophets of Baal, 450 prophets of Baal. He takes them up to Mount Carmel and he prays for fire to come down from heaven. It does. The contest shows that God is the true God and not this false prophet, which is Baal. He then takes the 450 prophets of Baal and kills them all. That's a long day. 
lining up 450 men and Michael, come. Chris, come. So long day. He's had some incredible things happen. We pick up in chapter number 19 with Jezebel hearing about what has been going on with Elijah. When Ahab got home, he told Jezebel everything Elijah had done, including the way he had killed all the prophets of Baal. So Jezebel sent this message to Elijah. May the Lord, may the God strike me and even kill me if by this time tomorrow I have not killed you just as you killed them. Elijah was afraid and fled for his life. He went to Beersheba, a town in Judah, and he left his servant there. Then he went on alone into the wilderness, traveling all day. He sat down under a solitary broom tree and prayed that he might die. I have had enough, Lord, he said. Take my life, for I, ha- for I am no better than my ancestors who have already died. Then he lay down and slept under the broom tree. But as he was sleeping, an angel touched him and told him, get up and eat. He looked around and there beside his head was some bread baked on hot stones and a jar of water. So he ate and drank, and lay down again. Then the angel of the Lord came again and touched him and said, get up and eat some more for the journey ahead of you will be too much for you. So he got up and ate and drank. And the food gave him enough strength to travel 40 days, and 40 nights to Mount Sinai, the mountain of God. There he came to a cave where he spent the night. But the Lord said to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? Elijah replied, I have zealously served the Lord God Almighty. But the people of Israel have broken their covenant with you, torn down your altars and killed every one of your prophets. I am the only one left. Now they are trying to kill me, too. Go out and stand before me on the mountain, the Lord told him. And as Elijah stood there, the Lord passed by and a mighty windstorm hit the mountain. It was such a terrible blast that the rocks were torn loose, but the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, there was a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, there was a sound of a gentle whisper. When Elijah heard it, He wrapped his face in his cloak and went out and stood at the entrance of the cave. And a voice said to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? He replied again, I am I have zealously served the Lord God Almighty. But the people of Israel have broken their covenant with you, torn down your altars and killed every one of your prophets. I am the only one left. Now they are trying to kill me, too. Then the Lord told him. Go back the same way you came and travel to the wilderness of Damascus. When you arrive there, anoint Haziel to be the king of Aram. Then anoint Jehu, son of Nimshi, to be king of Israel. And anoint Elisha, son of Shaphat, from the town of Abel-Mahola to replace you as my prophet. Anyone who escapes from Haziel will be killed by Jehu. And those who escape Jehu will be killed by Elisha. Yet... I will preserve 7,000 others in Israel 
who have not bowed down to Baal or kissed him. The title of this message, please write this down, is Come Out of the Cave. Come out of the cave. Bow your heads. Let's pray over the word, shall we? Holy Spirit, help us to come out of the cave. Amen. First Kings chapter number 19 to me is uh, one of the most outstandingly transparent passages, chapters in the entire Bible. And it is to me because God is not interested in trying to uh, preserve the image of the people he uses in an attempt to show how glorious he is. As a matter of fact, God is actually showing us through the brokenness of people how glorious he is. That when he looks upon the landscape of uh, humanity, here's what he realizes. The only people I can use are broken. The only option I have to get anything accomplished in the earth are those that have been born into a broken system. Sinful nature has broken us in ways that has left us susceptible to all types of issues. Here's the thing I love about church and the faith community. Uh, Everyone that is uh, in a faith community came from outside the church. You were born in sin, shaping in iniquity, and at some point you gave your life to Jesus and you became a part of a faith community. Guess what came with you into this faith community? You. (laughs) And guess how much of you came into this faith community? All of you. There's a profound statement. I don't know who is the one that first uttered it upon their lips, but it is something that has sank into the very depth of my soul. And that is this. Everywhere you go. There you are. You brought all of you in here today. The nice you, the sweet you, the redeemed, sanctified you, the traumatized you, the broken you, the sometime afraid you. What I love about chapter number 19 is that we're taking a guy who is venerated in the entire Old Testament as one of the greatest prophets that has ever walked the earth, came out of nowhere declaring that it will not rain until he says so, being miraculously sustained, praying that fire would come down from heaven, and it did. And then one threat from this Gentile queen causes him to run for his life. Isn't it amazing that you can know all the scriptures? That you can have devotion time? That you can can pray earnestly every single day, listen to sermon podcasts, have have quotes on on your mirror, 
and still get a word that makes you have amnesia to everything God has done? Anybody beside me? This is a hot church, so raise your hand if it's just not just me. Anybody ever, you, you love Jesus, but then you got a pink slip and forgot he was Jehovah Jireh? Anybody beside me? Anybody beside me? You, you love Jesus, but then you got cut off on 635. And you forgot love thy neighbor. You forgot, you forgot turn the other cheek. You forgot everything. Imagine raising a dead body back to life because you prayed. Imagine fire coming down from heaven because you prayed. And then hearing the threat from a Gentile queen and acting like none of it ever happened. This is what happened to Elijah. And Elijah runs and he just doesn't run down the street. He runs 200 miles south. Because that threat got into his mind. And it became something the enemy started to amplify. In his heart. There's three points to this message that I want to give you. There's actually six. There's three points that I want to give you from the lies that depression tells you. And there's three truths that I want to give you of what God tells you. Three lies that depression tell you. And then three truths that God tells you. Point number one under three lies that depression tells. Please write this down. Number one, you'll never overcome this. Here's what it says in 1 Kings chapter number 19, verse number two. So Jezebel sent this message to Elijah. May the gods strike me and even kill me if by this time tomorrow I have not killed you just as you killed them. Depression lies and says you will never overcome this. That whatever the situation is that you're in currently, you will never get out of this. It's a lie. But I worked out a formula many years ago with some things I've been through in my own life. You might want to write this down so you can expose the enemy next time he tries it on you. A lie plus a, mo- a moment of vulnerability can sound like the truth. I'm going to say it again. A lie plus a moment of vulnerability can sound like the truth. A- anybody experienced that besides me? You, 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 you know, you, you know in your heart of hearts that, that, that there is nothing that you could ever go through that, that, that God won't give you the strength to overcome. But, 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 but the right lie, coupled with the right moment of vulnerability, can leave you paralyzed. 
And, and think about it. When, when, if, if you've been used by God like Elijah's been used, if you've been pouring out, if you've been ministering, if you've been giving your all and you wind up on an empty tank, if somebody catches you with the right words at the wrong time, there's just nothing in you to reach into to punch back. And the lie that depression tells you is you will never overcome this. Jezebel gives a threat. In the next 24 hours, you'll be dead. Well, I'm a very literal person. I would have just waited till the 25th hour. I would have hit out and been like, if you can't find me by hour 25, I'm good. I'm going to call down fire again. Nothing in his mind could reach for that because he was vulnerable. Point number two, please write this down. Second lie depression tells, you're the only one in this. God asked Elijah twice, what are you, what are you doing here? Here was his response two times. I have zealously served the Lord God Almighty. But the people of Israel have broken their covenant with you, torn down your altars and killed every one of your prophets. I am the only one left. And now they are trying to kill me, too. Here's what depression tells you. You're the only one in this. You are the only one going through this right now. And here's why you'll never overcome it, because you're the only one. Look at everybody around you. Nobody else is going through what you're going through. They're all lifting their hands. They're worshiping. They're crying. You have, when's the last time you cried? He starts comparing you externally to the people around you. Don't they look so happy? You're not happy. You're sad. And this dark cloud is around you. Elijah, listen, Elijah ran far. Then he ran further. Then he kept running. He stopped at one point and dropped off his servant. So he intentionally pushed people away from him so that he could be alone. And the moment he did that, Satan went, got him. He's removed himself from any form of accountability, from any form of community, not not just congregationally, but even individually. He's not talking to his spouse anymore. He's not talking to his best friend anymore. He's not talking to his close confidant anymore. He's by himself so I can keep rehearsing this over and over and I can keep magnifying it until I can make him think it's larger than even God is. The only one going through this, Elijah. You got to stop. There's nobody, there's not another prophet in all of Israel. Now, here's how you know you've got amnesia. In chapter number 18, he runs into a servant of Ahab that tells him, hey, I hid 100 prophets myself. I put 50 in one cave and 50 in another so that Jezebel wouldn't find him. Elijah heard that, but alone he forgot it. Because when you're alone, you don't have anybody to remind you of the truth. The 
only one going through this. Point number three, please write this down. Third lie that depression tells. You should end this. You should just end this. First Kings 19 and 4. Then he went on alone into the wilderness, traveling all day. He sat under a solitary broom tree. Now, how sad is it? You're already by yourself. You're going to find a tree that's by itself, too. In the middle of a wilderness, you just walk around. <laughs> you look lonely. I'm going to come over there by you. <laughs> You're the only tree left, and I'm the only man left. It's closing in on them now. You should end this. Here's what he says. He sits down under a solitary broom tree and prayed, prayed. I'm going to deal with that in a minute. He prayed that he might die. I have had enough, Lord, he said. Take my life, for I'm no better than my ancestors who have already died. Kate Spade and uh, Anthony Bourdain believed the same lie. And tragically and unfortunately, they acted on it. I'm going to share something with you. There are many believers that believe the same lie. And tragically and unfortunately, some of them have taken their own lives too. No one is exempt from this. Rick Warren, who pastors a great church in California, lost his son to the same lie. His son knew God and had a relationship with him. But somewhere in that darkness, he believed that lie and he acted upon it. Let me tell you why some of us haven't acted upon it. Because we want God to do it for us. Veiled underneath a thin cloth of spirituality. Here's what you said. God, just take my life. As if it's more noble that you've prayed for him to do it instead of doing it yourself. You're still entertaining a demonic spirit of suicide. Here's what I love about God. That a guy named Elijah could pray for a dead boy to come back to life and God goes, I'll honor that. That a guy named Elijah could look up to the heavens and say, for the sake of your name, would you prove that you're the true God? And bring down fire from heaven. God says, I'll honor that. But when he got to the most vulnerable point in his life, he prayed to that same God to take his life. And here was God's response. Nope. 
I will not honor that because you're believing a lie right now. And I'm not going to leave you with that lie. So let me give you the three truths that God tells in the face of depression. Point number one, write this down. I'll give you strength to overcome this. An interesting thing happens in 1 Kings 19, verses 5 through 9. It says this. Then he lay down and slept under the broom tree. He found him in his isolation. God went and found him in his isolation. Here's what he said. But as he was sleeping, an angel touched him and said, get up and eat. He looked around and there beside his head was some bread baked on hot stones and a jar of water. So he ate and drank and lay down again. This is how depressed he was. That God came and ministered to him. He received the ministry and laid down again. Then the angel of the Lord came again and touched him and said, get up and eat some more or the journey ahead of you will be too much. So he got up and ate and drank and the food gave him enough strength to travel 40 days and 40 nights to Mount Sinai, the mountain of God. There he came to a cave where he spent the night. God gives you strength. In the midst of your depression. He wants to minister to you where you are, but if you take the ministry and lay down again. You leave yourself wallowing under that dark cloud. Instead of receiving it as strength to get out. The angel came to him twice. The first time he ate, was ministered to, refreshed, he laid down. The second time he got it and jumped up and ran, ran to Mount Sinai, which seems very spiritual. I'm going to the mountain of God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. You've ministered to me. I'm a little bit out of the funk. I'm going to Mount Sinai, here's the only problem. God didn't tell him to go there. Seemed real deep and spiritual. Except God didn't tell him to go there. God's the one that told him it's time for you to leave the brook and go to Zarephath. God's the one that told him it's time for you to uh, challenge those uh, uh, on Mount Carmel. God's the one that told him I need you to go pray. But he didn't tell him to go to Sinai, which is why when he gets there, God's response is, what are you doing here? I did not, I did not tell you to come here. He winds up in a cave. Point number two, please write this down. God's truth in response to depression. I'm with you in this. And after the earthquake, there was a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, there was a sound of a gentle whisper. When Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in his cloak, in his cloak and went out and stood at the entrance of the cave. Interesting thing. God knows that his loved one is depressed. He knows his loved one is suicidal. He's heard the prayer. So when he runs into a cave, God says, I, I need to, I need him to know I'm here. But, the, but this lie that he's been believing has been amplified. It's getting louder. It's, 
Jezebel didn't have social media or a cell phone. She only made the threat once. But again, that lie mixed with a, with a moment of vulnerability puts it on repeat in your soul. She wasn't calling him, leaving him voicemails, blowing up his phone with text messages, hitting up all the social media accounts. was like, I'm still coming. <laughs> leaving him gifts and, and memes. One word on repeat grew louder in his soul. So God matches the sound that is in his heart with some sound effects and visual effects of his own. Strong wind comes. Breaks everything up. God's not even in it. Big windy moment. Oh my goodness. Where's God? Not here. Earthquake. Where's God? Not there. Fire comes out of nowhere. Where's God? Not there. Please hear me on this. God took all the charismatic expressions and brought them right to Elijah and said, none of this is going to move you like my voice will. You could go into a praise break for 15 minutes and still go home depressed. You could have a revival for five weeks and still want to go home and end your life. So I'm bringing all these charismatic expressions to you to let you know I'm not in them. If you hear my voice in it, I'm in it. But if you ever see these expressions without my voice, I'm not in it. So he lets them all go. And then he goes, Elijah. How do you get somebody's attention when the world is screaming at them what to do in one way? You don't yell. You have to come and counteract that loud voice with a still small one, something that will get their attention because it doesn't sound like all the noise that they've been hearing. I'm going to kill you. I'm going to kill you. Jezebel's 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 going to kill you. You're all alone. You're going to die. Take your life. Elijah. scared aren't you you don't have to be scared you're not in this by yourself I didn't bring you here but I'm not going to leave you here you need to come out of that cave because I still have plans for I still want to do something in your life. But I can't do it from up here. 
And Elijah covers his face. And he comes out of the cave. Like a little seven-year-old boy that's been playing hide-and-seek with his dad. Couldn't find him, but daddy found him. And then God says something to him that has nothing to do (laughs) with what he's been struggling with. Which brings me to point number three. Please write this down. Here's God's truth to tell in the face of depression. I'll end this. You don't have to end it. I'll end it. Here's what he says in 1 Kings chapter number 19, 15 through 18. Then the Lord told him, go back the same way you came. Why? Because I didn't tell you to come here. So I need you to retrace your steps and go back to the place that you first believed that lie. Because that lie sent you on a detour to your destination. And I need you to go retrace your steps, go back to the point of the lie, and then I will tell you the truth about where you're supposed to go. Because I never told you to come up here. (laughs) Told them to retrace your steps. Go back the same way you came and travel to the wilderness of Damascus. When you arrive there, anoint Haziah, the king of Aram. Then anoint Jehu, grandson of Nimshi, to be the king of Israel. And anoint Elisha, son of Shaphat, from the town of Abel-Meholah, to replace you as my prophet. Anyone who escapes from Hazael will be killed by Jehu, and those who escape Jehu will be killed by Elijah. Yet I will preserve 7,000 others in Israel who have never bowed down to Baal or kissed him. I'll end this. And I'll end this the best way I know how. By taking you out of this dark cloud you've been in and then recommissioning you for purpose. Here's what I love about God. God is not interested in talking to you about the stuff you want to talk about. I need to die. I'm the only one left. Because everything you're praying is based on a lie. And a great counselor is not going to counsel you based on your lie. He's going to counsel you based on the truth. So I want to die. Jezebel's going to kill me. <laughs> I came to the cave. Take my life. No, you're you're believing lies. So here's what we're going to do. Okay. Right. Not supposed to be here. Right. Let's go. Come, come. Let's get out of here. Need you to go back to where you came from. I need you to get back to work. I need you to get back to purpose. I need you to get back to your destiny. I'm not going to coddle you in your fears and your depression. I'm going to speak the truth about your destiny. I'm going to speak the truth about my promises. I'm going to speak the truth about my plans for your life. And none of them include you being on Mount Sinai right now. Moses already did that. Let's go. Ain't no new commandments coming from up here. You ain't getting no new revelation. You a good prophet, but you ain't about to be Moses. Let's go. I need you out of here. He comes back and he says, hey, anoint this person. He said, I'm going to end this. The whole thing you scared of with Jezebel, I'll end it. Here's how I'm going to end it. Okay? you don't even have to get your hands dirty. As a matter of fact, I'm going to call a chariot for you. Okay, and we're going to go home. I'm going to come get you. I'm going to scoop you up. You're not going to even die. Okay, I'm going to send some chariot and some horses and some wind and you're going to come home with me. Okay. Uh, but but um, here's what I will do, okay? I want you to anoint Haziel to be king of Aram. 
I want you to anoint Jehu to be king over Israel. Then I want you to anoint Elisha to take your place. And here's the thing. I'm going to end it. You don't have to end your life. See, I'm going to end this for you. Whoever escapes Haziel, Jehu going to get. Whoever escapes Jehu, Elisha going to get. The end. Okay, you be ready? Let's go. He ends it. And here's the thing that is amazing. He doesn't even end it at a time Elijah gets to watch it. He just promises Elijah, I'll deal with this. And Elijah believed the truth of God's word and came out of that cave. See, see here's where faith comes in. You, you, you don't have to see the end to believe the end. You just need to know the person that spoke about the end. And if God is the one that's telling you that he will end it, that's enough to get you out of a cave. And no, God, I know that if you're the one saying it, then I can stand on it and believe it. I wish I had the opportunity to talk to Kate. I wish I would have had the opportunity to talk to Anthony. I never had that opportunity. But God gave me the opportunity to talk to you. I'm telling you, without discernment or any prophetic insight, it's one in three. So it's in this room without me playing duck, duck, goose. I've counseled some of you. I've sat with you and behind brilliant white smiles are deeply dark pains. I've seen you walk in here every single week. And in spite of how you felt on the inside, you believe what God has said about your future. I celebrate you and I commend you for not succumbing to the lies of depression and not believing that the best solution is to end your own life. You can come out of the cave today. I don't care where you are, what you've done. You can come out of the cave today. So don't believe those lies. Believe his truth. And he'll give you the strength to overcome. He's with you in it right now. And he has the best possible solution to end it. If you'll simply believe. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? Thanks for listening to this week's message. If you would like to know more about Embassy City Church, please visit us at embassycity.com and follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Embassy Irving.